Hi guys, welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. I'm learning from doing this podcast that there are so many people who have been touched by cancer, and I have the privilege of meeting them. My guest on this podcast is one of those wonderful people. We serve on the Patient and Family Advisory Board together at UNC Cancer Center. Janine is serious about advocating, educating, and making sure she is heard. Please take a listen and check her out on our live broadcast, April 28th at 8 p.m. Peace. guys, welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. It is just one of those days today. I'm just going to put it out there. Whatever comes out, comes out, but I'm so excited about my guest tonight. I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Oh, hi. Thank you. My name is Janine Jones, and I am a a diffuse large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor. Wow. For how many years? Uh, Come March, we're almost there, seven years, and I am declared cured. After five years, I was declared cured. Isn't that that magical number? How were you at like year three? Feeling pretty good, but waiting, waiting to exhale. Yeah. They always tell you like year three is like the hump year. And I'm like, okay, let me get to year five. And now that I'm about to hit 10, I don't know how to act. Um, 10 years married, 10 years cancer free. And we can't go anywhere right now. That's right. (laughs) So we're going to be doing a staycation, uh, honeymoon, anniversary, you name it. But we're going to make the best of it. So before we start talking about how you jumped into this glow, before you were diagnosed, what was your life like? Oh, wow. I I was a competitive CrossFit athlete. I was in the best shape of my life. Um, Good career. You know, life life was great. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I started not performing as well in my CrossFit workouts. And after, after a particularly hard workout where I was doing these chest to bar pull-ups, which is where you, you pull up and you have to hit your chest off the bar. I felt, I felt a little, um, sorry about that. I felt a little pull, um, in my chest and I thought, Hmm, I must've pulled a muscle. Mm -hmm. So I went to my chiropractor who does active release muscle therapy. She works on a lot of athletes and she said, well, take a lacrosse ball put that up against the wall, put your chest on it, kind of rub that area out. Maybe you Mm -hmm. did just pull it a little bit. So I did that. But when I did that, it made me wheeze and then cough. I thought, well, that's kind of strange, but okay. Well, and at the same time, I was having this cough and I Mm -hmm. have allergies. So I attributed it to that. But um, my wife was saying, look, you know, you've you've got this chest thing going on you've had this cough for four years for for four years Hmm. um your video was kind of of going in and out sorry it was frozen that's okay keep going it's one of those nights okay Okay. (laughs) um i'd had a cough 
for four weeks. And she Mm -hmm. says, you know, I think you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's fine. But all of that compared with the fact that after a, after a workout, we, we did like, you know, heavy barbell, barbell lifting, Mm -hmm. jump roping. And I just hit the deck. I just didn't feel good. I felt like I had a fever. I thought, well, maybe between, you know, my chest hurting a little bit, the cough, fever, Mm -hmm. maybe I have pneumonia. So I said, okay, it's time to go to the doctor. Well, I I went to the doctor and she said, she she was puzzled and she said, well, let's, let's do a chest x-ray. And they did the chest x-ray there and she saw what was a uh, grapefruit sized circle, white circle on the chest x-ray. Wow. And at the time, I didn't, you know, equate that with cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really know what it was. And she said, we need to get you to, uh, to get a CT scan. We need to figure out what this is. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to have a CT scan at the hospital where I worked, which... Um, I guess lucky or unlucky, I knew the radiologist there so I could get my results pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. So uh, I talked to the, radi- the reading radiologist for my CT scan and he asked me, he said, D- have you ever had, do you ever in your family have a history of uh, lymphoma? I said, no. Now, I didn't even know what lymphoma was. I was going to ask you, did you know when he said lymphoma, you're thinking cancer? No, no, no. I'm a registered nurse by training. Mm-hmm. Pediatric nurse, no cancer experience. So my my brain wasn't even close close to that. And I thought lymphoma. I did think tumor, mm-hmm. but again, I didn't think cancerous tumor because, of course, here I'm in the best shape of my life. Yes, and I'm, I'm competitive. I'm I'm winning these these CrossFit events, um, and it hadn't been until just recently that I wasn't doing so well in my in my exercising. So, um, he said, huh. Well, he said, um, you're probably going to, I'm going to refer you out. You're probably going to need to get a biopsy just so we can see exactly what this is. But here's Mm -hmm. three things I'm thinking of that it might be none of them I recognized. And he certainly never said the word cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, fast forward a day or two, uh, my memory is a little fuzzy because of the chemo. Um, (laughs) My wife can can tell you the exact details of how this went down. Um, but, uh, anyway, fast forward, um, the biopsy results went to my primary care provider where I had the chest Mm x-ray and she called me and we just happened to be on our way to my best friend's wedding rehearsal. And she said to me, she said, you know, I understand, I understand, Dan, that you talked with the radiologist. And Mm -hmm. I said, yes. And she said, well, we've gone ahead and um, referred you out to the North Carolina Cancer Centers of America. Now, have you ever seen those commercials before your diagnosis? Okay. All right. Well, yes, Mm -hmm. but that was the first time anyone had said cancer. Mm. And I said, this is cancer? And she's, well, yes, I thought you knew. And I said, no, no, I didn't know. 
Uh, so that set off a firestorm. I, I got extremely angry. We had to pull mm-hmm. over because mm-hmm. we were in the car. Um, somehow I made it through the rehearsal. You know, I got myself together to be strong for my best friend. I did tell her at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just, that was a complete whirlwind. Mm. Uh, so anyway, um, after the, but the then biopsy results, the oncologist said, we need to get you admitted to the hospital now. He said, do you want to be admitted tonight or in the morning? I said, wow, okay, this must be pretty serious. And mm-hmm. knowing what I know about hospitals, I said, I'll, I'll go in the morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'll wait till the morning. <laughs> I'll wait till the morning. So that's what we did. And I go in and I had the most wonderful oncologist who sat down with me mm-hmm. and he said, okay, we're going to, we're going to talk through this. Um, told me what lymphoma was. Um, again, it's the first time I'd ever heard of it. Uh, and then he, he brought with him printouts of articles for clinical trials and how to treat this. And he said, you know, these are three different treatment types. He said, um, and explained each one to me and also how they fared in the clinical trial. And he said, this particular one, um, chemo combined with radiation, you have a 95% chance of cure. Hmm. And I said, oh, okay, great. Well, I'm going to go with that one. (laughs) Um, He said, are you sure this is your choice? Which Mm -hmm. was amazing. I didn't think I had a choice in, in the matter. Um, I was just going to get cured, like fix me, take, take this thing out, you know, but unfortunately with that being a blood cancer surgery Mm. doesn't take care of it. I mean, you can certainly excise it, but it's still in your blood. So you Mm -hmm. still have to do chemo and everything else. So the first line of defense is chemotherapy. Okay. So he said, you'll be doing chemotherapy for six months. And then at that point, we'll reevaluate and see if you need the radiation. So uh, the chemo started and mm-hmm. how they gave chemo, this regimen of chemo at the time was I had to be admitted for a week solid. I couldn't leave the hospital. I couldn't leave the floor. I had a, a port in. And so they, you know, it was a continuous infusion of chemotherapy mm-hmm. uh, for a week. For so, one week. Well, during this time in this week, where was your wife? Right, right by my side. Right by your side. So she was right by your side for the whole week that you were in, um, in, um, doing chemotherapy. And how many times did you have to do this? Was it like 21 days on 21 days off? How many times did you have to do chemo? That's a great question. So, uh, a week in the hospital, then Mm -hmm. three weeks off. Then a week in the hospital and three weeks off times six times six. So that was over the six months. Yeah. And in that six months, what happened would work. What happened? How did your life change? Well, luckily I could work in the hospital and so could my wife. Oh, good. We were extremely lucky. Um, And in the three weeks in between, I actually went to work. Until mm-hmm. my white count got so low that I couldn't go in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I continued to work the entire time. Look at you. CrossFit did you well. <laughs> well, and that's what they said, you know. That's you, exactly. Because um, 
when the doctor was talking to me about the chemo regimens and everything, mm-hmm. I, I said, you know, he asked me, of course, if I had any questions. And I said, well, yes, I, I actually have one major question. And mm-hmm. I said, if I didn't treat this, I'm just curious, how long would I have had to live? And he said, probably a couple of weeks. Um, but what, what most likely would have ended up happening is you would have had a stroke, um, because the tumor, because it was so large, it was Mm -hmm. pressing my lung back. It was pressing my superior vena cava over. It was pressing my heart over to the other side. Um, so that was affecting, you know, uh, the blood flow back and forth to my brain. Mm. So he said, and then, you know, you would have ended up having trouble breathing and by then it would have been too late. So I, uh, that, that was huge. Hearing that, that was, you possibly only have three weeks, three to four weeks, two, two weeks, two weeks. So you were on your way to your best friends. Was it the wedding rehearsal? The okay. rehearsal the before the rehearsal, her wedding. The mm-hmm. day before her wedding. And you said that you told um, your best friend what was going on yes. to let her know. And then after you get your diagnosis, you're coming back and you have to be treated. Like you have to get in the hospital for those first five days. Yes. And, th- and there was a few days in between. So I was mm-hmm. actually able to go to my best friend's wedding. And, um, you know, I made a decision at that point. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, the cancer's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to celebrate her and her new mm-hmm. husband. And, and we had a great time and we danced and, uh, it was fantastic. Wow. So during, now that you have um, chemotherapy, five days, is there another treatment? Was there any other regimen that you needed to do? After the six months of mm-hmm. chemo, the tumor shrank. I mean, it was the size of a Skittle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they said, you know, there's a little bit of life still in it. You have mm-hmm. a choice. You can either, you know, wait and see what happens because the chemo is going to continue to work over the next few months, mm-hmm. or you can do radiation and just obliterate it. And mm-hmm. I said, let's obliterate it <laughs> because this thing, this, this huge tumor had grown. They, they estimated it probably over a period of six to eight weeks. It's an extremely fast growing cancer which is actually a good thing because it's easier to treat. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I decided, well, let's do the radiation and let's get it over with. So every day for a month, mm-hmm. I drove to UNC and oh, got days. my radiation. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, got zapped and uh, went about my day. Yeah. Which one was harder for you to do the five weeks in or going every day for a month? Oh, the chemotherapy was by far the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, like the first couple of rounds weren't too bad. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, by the sixth round, I just felt up to here in toxic sludge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, you know, it's just miserable. Yeah. And you feel you toxic. Juice, juice or any of that stuff. Like when I was going through chemotherapy, they're like, don't juice. Don't do that stuff. Don't rid your body of the stuff we're putting in you. And I'm like, but I feel like crap. 
And I wanted to juice. I wanted to juice more. I wanted to flush everything because what I had, they called the red devil and it, and, and it was horrible. Yeah. They would, yeah. They would come in with the suits on and like, I can't touch this stuff, but I'm about to put this poison into you. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you talked about having a choice and you said the word choice again, even with radiation. A lot of people don't know they have a choice to shop around their care. You know, you work in a hospital, you understand, you know, shop around your care. And then having a doctor say, well, here's your choice. Here's the three. And they lay them out. And here it is. And you were surprised right. by that. I um, was. I, I because number one, I knew zero about mm-hmm. cancer, period, much less lymphoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt at the mercy of the, the physician. And then mm-hmm. when he said, if you need some time to look over these articles, you know, feel free, you know, this is, this is ultimately your decision. So, wow. Yeah. And that was very refreshing. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Cause you feel like you have no choice at this time. Cancer is coming to seek and destroy. And, right. um, it sounds like you were just as mad as I was. When I first got the uh, diagnosis and my doctor said, um, oh, I thought you knew. Tell me how I was going to know. So remember that doctor's first and last name and where she works at. That (laughs) she thought you knew what? That I had cancer. They end up doing a biopsy. And the way she said it was, you have cancer. And then she said, oh, I thought you knew you had cancer. And I'm like, well, how would I know? And I asked my husband. Please clear the room. And they cleared the room because I was so bad. Like, how am I supposed to know? And that's not how you deliver it. That's one of the reasons why I'm on the PFAT committee. And that's another reason why I got a second opinion. Because Mm -hmm. customer service is very, you know, important because it is a service that they're providing. It's patient care. But, you know, just like not going to the hospital at a certain time. I don't want to be there at that time. I'd rather go during these hours. I did the same thing during treatment if I could help it. I want it on Thursday. I don't want it on a Friday. It's not as busy. People are not as worn out. Like People don't think about that. And you said your wife could say, she could tell everything you went through. She knows, she probably knows the dates and everything. And that's my husband. He made sure that. We were on time. We needed to do this. He talked to certain doctors. If we didn't like that doctor, guess what? We didn't see that doctor again. We have insurance. We can go wherever we want. That's right. So, you know, after going through treatment, going through radiation, Mm -hmm. what was next for you? Mm. What's next? Um, Well, waiting for the final looks good. Yeah. You know, um, after the radiation, they said, you know what, you're, you're done with treatment and it looks like you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so in a year it, or you're going to have frequent follow-ups like every mm-hmm. three months and then we'll switch to every six months mm-hmm. and then every nine and then every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to, you know, follow you. Um, we're going to, you know, take your blood because there's one specific, um, there's an LDH that mm-hmm. they measure in your blood that they, they can tell if you have lymphoma. Um, we're going to monitor that. And that was it. And, um, so then it was, 
okay, well, you've had, I have, I had cancer. Now what do I do? What do I do? After all that time in the hospital, especially with hospital stays, six months mm-hmm. of that, then radiation. And then I'm like, okay, we'll see you every month, every three months. Did you right. feel a little lost? Because I was like, this has been a big part of my life. Maybe the shortest part of my life, but it's been a big part. I felt a little lost. I, I was I was like, when is chemo? When do I go back? Even when they said, see you in a year. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to be back in six months. <laughs> Just because I right. felt a little lost. So how did you handle that um, moving back into that, um, back into the swing of things? Or did you stay a nurse or did you move professions? How was your life changed? Well, right away, I felt invigorated and free and alive. Mm -hmm. And it was great. And I I was the most positive cancer patient you'd ever seen, like all through treatment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) People would come up to me and say, are you doing okay? <laughs> like, yes, I am. As a matter of fact, number one, I'm alive. Uh-huh. Number two, I'm doing something about this thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm treating it. I felt very in control. And um, it wasn't until after kind of the the glow, if you yes. will, <laughs> faded. Yeah. It, it did. It um, did. Mm-hmm. I rethought everything except my relationship. Um, that's that I, I was very secure in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, before I was diagnosed with cancer, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled in my job. I, I worked, um, in patient safety mm-hmm. for a large hospital system. And I was frustrated with the pace of the slow pace of change. Mm-hmm. So that gave me this, the cancer, mm-hmm. everything and the new found, uh, view on life mm-hmm. gave me the impetus that I needed to, to look at a different career. Um, but I will say that after I did feel lost, like you Mm -hmm. said, you know, how I've just spent, you know, seven, eight months fighting for my life, Mm -hmm. you know, having a schedule now, what do, what do I do with myself? How, after, after you've been through the fight of your life, how do you then enter back into normal life? You know, because you're different, as yeah. you know. Oh, you're, you're, you're so different. You're completely changed, and mm-hmm. people expect you, oh, well, you're good now. <laughs> now you just jump back on the hamster wheel, and let's get going. <laughs> like, okay, your hair is growing back, you're back to work, you're doing right. this, you're doing... And I'm like, oh, the side effects, number one, let's yes. talk about that. How did yes. that affect you? Oh, with a chemo brain, with um, short-term memory mm-hmm. law, I still suffer with today mm-hmm. um that was crappy yeah um, uh it put me um into menopause yes early early menopause um which i didn't expect um and i had thought about having a baby mm-hmm. that or at least you know fertilizing the eggs that i had couldn't do that anymore because the mm-hmm. chemo fried those mm-hmm. um so it yeah as you know the Chemotherapy takes a lot away. It does, and then give the radi- you life back. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then the radiation actually made me uh, put me into hypothyroidism as well. I'm, I was just recently diagnosed with that. Same here. Oh, I was just like, "What yeah. is going on?" Radiation did so many things. It was much easier, 
but um, I have lymphedema, so ah. worse. And and then we didn't yeah. talk about those things. Um, like you said, going in, you know, for me, the hot flashes. You know, I'm 36. How old were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, let's see. That was seven, so 34. So 34, being diagnosed with cancer, and I was 36. Yeah, I'm looking at my wife, actually. I was going to say, are you looking at your wife? That rem- <laughs> How old was I? See, she, she knows. Hi. <laughs> Regina says, Hi. I always look to the left and see if my husband's there. Like, when when was I diagnosed? And he'll answer, and I just look because I I don't remember. I was I was I was too much in the midst of everything. But I'm yeah. so grateful that he was there, and I know you were so grateful that she was there and could remember those things and remind you and encourage well, you. And just the support, you know. Oh, I yes. I would see cancer patients in the hospital with with no one in their room. And no one to come go see them. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know how they did it. I, I really don't. I don't know yeah. what I would have done without her support and mm-hmm. her just being there to hold my hand. In fact, I think it was much harder to be the caregiver than to be the cancer patient. Because a cancer patient, you're you're doing stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. but as the caregiver, all you can do is just sit there and you know, you, you feel helpless. Yeah. yeah you know, really. she could be a whole other interview. Oh, I've been doing caregivers all uh, month, so yes, I would love. What's your wife's name? Christy. Christy, I would love to interview you. She would love to interview you. And talk to you about bourbons. <laughs> and talk to you about bourbons. She said, I'll do that, yeah. Um, she just reminded me, she was like, she she was pointing to her back because uh-huh. I didn't, I totally, I put this out of my head uh, for good reason. I also had spinal chemotherapy. Oh, so tell me about that. Oh, well, when you have blood cancer, uh, it can, I was told, it can run and hide in your cerebral spinal fluid, Mm. um, which is the fluid that covers your spinal cord and your brain. Mm -hmm. So they had to inject chemotherapy directly into my spine via a spinal tap every single time I went to get my chemotherapy. So on top of getting your chemotherapy, you also have to have the spine chemotherapy mm-hmm. and the blood cancer. Like you said, it can run and hide in different places. Right. I know you learned so much about cancer, chemotherapy, markers, more than you ever, ever wanted to know. Cause you said you didn't mm-hmm. know anything about cancer. So you, you no. never had anyone in your life before be diagnosed or go through or deal with cancer. Before this? Well, I did. Um, let's see, I was probably eight years old. My grandfather, he died of, of throat cancer. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, really too yeah. young to, to remember anything about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and being yeah. 34 and diagnosed, that's that's crazy. But apparently with that particular type of lymphoma, um, they, I mean, they had a whole clinical trial about that they did with women my age. Wow. Yeah. Goodness. It wasn't surprising to them. It was surprising to me. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Lymphoma is cancer? Wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't know. And I was like, tumor? Okay, well, we'll cut it out and be done. <laughs> and I need to go run my next race or do whatever else I, you know, I'm doing exactly. at the time. Because your life stops. 
Like, yes. chemo stops it. Everything stops. But the world keeps moving. Stuff's yes. still happening. So you're coming out of therapy. You're jumping back into the swing of things because they want mm-hmm. you to get back on. How long, right. when did you leave your job and decide that you wanted to go somewhere else? Was it during treatment or was it after? No, it was after. Okay. It was after I was done with everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, you talk about the, the reentry, mm-hmm. you know, the reentry back into life. And it was really, really hard for me here. I was happy and positive, seriously, during yeah. my, my chemo treatment because I was alive. Um, but after I, I suffered through a lot of depression mm-hmm. and not knowing why am I still here? Why am I spared? Yeah. And other people aren't um, really looking for answers as to why. Why am I here? Did you do any support groups? You know, I went to a support group pretty soon after I finished treatment. And I was still happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and all these people were sad. And so it just, I was like. <laughs> I don't feel like I belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a therapist mm-hmm. um, previous to cancer diagnosis. So I, I went and saw her on a routine basis. That is and, so um, But it was tough. It was tough on my marriage. I mean, my wife felt helpless. I mean, mm-hmm. because, of course, she hasn't had cancer, thank God. And mm-hmm. she doesn't know, didn't know what it was like and or mm-hmm. how to best help me. I didn't know how to help me. Yeah. So I really struggled with that with that reentry into life. It's yeah. so hard to describe to your loved one what you're feeling. Like I can't mm-hmm. explain the pain. I can't explain the sadness. Um, I get going to um, a support group that just didn't work for you because um, right. I went to two, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not going to work." <laughs> but then Ali <laughs> went to. Um, the Young Survivor Coalition. And mm. because they were doing kayaking and all this other stuff, and it was cool. more like, okay. And I was I was young. And I was normally, every time I went to anything, everybody was 65 and older. I was like, yeah, that's exactly. not happening. So I needed that. But people need to know it's okay. Don't keep going to a support group that brings you down. You that's know? right. But yeah. still seek help, which is so important. So Absolutely. now you are about to be seven years out or seven years, yeah. seven years out. What are you doing now? That's different that you, you, than what you were doing before from your work, your job, your life. What's a little bit different? Oh, well, lots of things. So I, <laughs> I went into a, a whole different career. I got okay. into a long story, but I, I went in, I got into clinical trial software and it really is cool, the, the, the close ties mm-hmm. with clinical trials. And I, I will see clinical trials pass through our, our software that are for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. And it just, it makes me smile that I, mm-hmm. have, I play this little tiny piece mm-hmm. in the clinical trials um, it, because we're alive because yeah. of clinical trials, right? Yes. I mean, the clini- that clinical trial that the doctor handed me, um, you know, printed out paper that, that saved my life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's, it really, it gives back, you know, yes. I find, I find purpose in what mm-hmm. I do. And so it's a good fit. Uh, the other huge thing, um, is my wife and I had a child. Yay. 
And interestingly, before I was diagnosed, we'd been trying to get pregnant and mm-hmm. we couldn't. And thank God we didn't because my wife, would, if she'd been pregnant, she wouldn't have been able to be around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, I guess it was October mm-hmm. of that year, they said, you know what, you're good to go. You're going to come for your follow-ups, but you're, you're on track to be cured. We said, Oh, let's try again. And mm-hmm. boom, got pregnant right away. Oh, wow. Yes. And what did you have? A baby girl a baby who is girl. now five and a half years old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Running around. <laughs> like <busy>. crazy. <laughs> As oh. you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine's, I have one of my girls looks like she's seven. She's so tall. <laughs> and it's like, I, we just went to the doctor and it was like, she's just going to be very, very tall. Is your and husband tall? He's tall, but not, she looks like a seven-year-old. She's four. When she was two, she looked like she was five. So the <laughs> doctor awesome. was like, Lisa's consistent. That's right. <laughs> and the other one is just very slender and not so tall. <laughs> but I'm glad that they have each other, especially during during this time. But yeah. so parents... Um, yeah cancer-free, mm-hmm. new job. Are you doing mm-hmm. any volunteer work? Well, with the PFAC. <laughs> I mean, that's, so, that's, that's really, so um, I've been with the PFAC. I mean, it was pretty soon after I was, um, you know, clear mm-hmm. that I got into the PFAC, um, recommended by the nurse manager on the Hemonc unit. And it was hard hard in the beginning to go back into the hospital and mm-hmm. smell the smells and it, do, it doesn't stink it's just it's you know just, the hospital smell smells. yeah so I had a lot of anxiety um going back into the hospital and doing that but I really wanted to stick with it because it was my way to give back mm-hmm. to the hospital that had given me my life you know saved mm-hmm. my life and so it's it's my why you know one of my purposes for still being alive. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know why I'm still here really. Mm-hmm. It may mm-hmm. be just to be my daughter's mother, which is yeah. pretty awesome. Um, so I, you know, I'm still, still learning why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I guess we all are, all of us cancer survivors, you, you figure it out and it may be yeah. a while before you figure it out. Yeah, there's people who I have been with, uh, went through treatment with, and they're not here anymore. And you Ooh. think about those things, um, yes. you know, and you just keep pushing it. And my thing is to give back. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing chemo glow. First of all, it was therapy because I used to Ooh. record my thoughts. Things I couldn't tell my husband, they're Ooh. recorded because wow. I was doing treatment in UNC and still working in Charlotte. So um, I would drive down there once a week to feel like I was doing something to get mm-hmm. away. Because, again, I when I, I was planning a wedding. I was doing all that stuff right before. And mm-hmm. um, I needed to feel like I was going to give something back. And I knew that these recordings, these thoughts, my chemo glow moments, that I was going to put it out there for someone to listen wow. to and have a platform. And the PFAC committee, we are doing so much there. Yes, Which we are. <laughs> <laughs> Which committee are you on these days? The parking committee. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, the 
uh, what is it? The continuous improvement for, is it the rapid response team? Rapid response team. Yeah. With patient safety, which is huge because that was my wheelhouse mm-hmm. for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably another one. I can't remember right there, now. There is so many. I am so excited about the parking one. Me uh, too. Guys, you don't know what we're talking about, but mm-hmm. parking for patients who are going through chemotherapy. I think it's $12 um, to do the valet parking. Yeah. And I don't know how much um, off the top of my head it is a day, but you put that on top of meals mm-hmm. You all day. Um, you put that on top of treatment. And some people are not that lucky to have good insurance that pays for this and that. Like parking was an inconvenience for us. We were able to put it on our taxes. Like that's how much I was in the hospital. But think about someone who cannot pay for parking, who Mm -hmm. is traveling from out of town so they can go to UNC, go to Duke, go to these hospitals. So hopefully (laughs) we're on the right track. (laughs) We can help out where they're not having to worry about parking, eating lunch, and where they're going to actually, if their lights are going to be on. Because it's a light mm-hmm. bill if you're going every day. Five days? Can you imagine that? Right. That's, I mean, we. my support? wife would park. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would park and, you know, be there for those five days. Oh. Did you ever get a parking pass? No. During the time? No. But no. There's parking passes at other parts of the hospital. Uh-huh. You know, like for radiation. Yes. Yeah. Radiation. Don't have to pay. Don't have to pay. You run in and, and you park right there. Yeah. You run in, you run out, you know, um, even at the, I cannot remember because they just moved it, but there was no parking there. I go to Hillsboro now. Oh, um, nice. If I have to be seen and my doctor's out there, there's mm-hmm. no parking. You don't have to worry about the parking deck. I mean, uh, there's no pay for parking. You don't have to worry about that parking deck and trying to find a park. Because that's another right. thing. If you're not there on time, <laughs> you're running a little exactly. late, that parking deck. So the PFAC committee, volunteering, giving back. How have you been faring in this COVID world? It's about to be a year oh. now. Girl, you know, everybody <laughs> is struggling. I mean, the, everybody has their own degree of struggle in yeah. this mess. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm... I'm very much a people person Mm -hmm. and I love to travel. And with my job, I'm afforded both of those things, Mm -hmm. but not now. (laughs) (laughs) Now my wife, she can hunker down, be in the house. She's, she's more introverted than I am. I love my people contact. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's been tough. It's been very tough. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, I'm extremely lucky. You know, I mean, we can both work from home. Don't have to worry about getting out so much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I can't can't believe we're still here a year later. Almost a year later. And um, for you and um, thinking about COVID and what's going on, did Mm -hmm. that, um, did you think about whether or not you were going to get the vaccine or not? Or... Mm. um, no, I'm. When it's time, <laughs> I'm lining up. I, I think I'm in group four. I'm like, wait a minute, cancer doesn't count. And I'm moving to group three. 
They were like, you're 10 years out. We'll catch you in group four. Other people need it. The one time I need cancer to count. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I at first I was thinking about it. And then I was like, yeah, no. I My brother had COVID. My sister had COVID. And my brother was actually hospitalized by it. Yeah, definitely. I'll be yeah. the first one up with my arm up. Not my left one, but my right one. <laughs> definitely so what do you see yourself doing um once COVID is over traveling yes definitely traveling seeing friends seeing mm-hmm. family um I think that's that's one thing for me that has come out of this is stop putting off going to see friends mm-hmm. yeah well it's- what are you doing I mean <laughs> you know work's gonna be there house is gonna be there Go see people. Tell them you love them. Mm-hmm. Have you started? Yeah. Did you start doing any CrossFit exercise? What is your regimen now? Oh, so CrossFit was huge in my life. And I did some CrossFit exercises while in the hospital. Believe it or not. <laughs> I did squats while I was attached to the IV pole. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was a huge part of my life. And... After I still, I still went, mm-hmm. but then I got into heavy lifting. I got into power lifting, believe it really? or not. Lifting, you, there's three different exercises and you lift the heaviest weight you possibly can with good form, of course. Yes. Did that, competed, um, won. I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of done with that now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was kind of like, well, you know, what do I do now? I mm-hmm. mean, go to a gym or what have you. But now we have, um, we have a Nordic track, uh, mm-hmm. an inclined trainer. And I've been doing that every day. Absolutely love it. You can, it's got a, a screen on it mm-hmm. and you do your exercises around the world with the trainers. Uh-huh. So the trainers are, you know, you can be in South Africa, Australia, and you're running, you're hiking and all these things. So that's what I do now. Um, and mostly just body weight exercises just to, to stay healthy. Would you say um, exercising um, makes you definitely feel better? What happens when you don't exercise? Oh, Do you... yeah. It, I a feel... lot of people... Go ahead, Go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when it when I don't exercise, I just feel like jelly, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just icky, mm-hmm. um, not as energized, to feel tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exercise was a very big part of coming out of treatment for me, but... For some reason, people think that you're too weak to exercise when all you have to do is put the, you know, one foot in front of the other. Just walk a little bit. until Just you, walk. Just walk. You will really feel better with yes. exercising. Um, UNC has a great program, Get Real and Heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing everything now, not just with breast cancer survivors, which is great. Because when mm-hmm. I was there um, almost 10 years ago, well, yeah, goodness, 10 years. Goodness. So when I was there, they were just doing breast cancer, but now they're doing all cancers. So it can benefit so many people. And yes. so exercising is definitely key. Well, we're almost at the top of the hour, but I definitely want to ask you, how do I say this? Just say it, Regina. Just say it. <laughs> Having cancer, taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself, being seen, 
your give back to your family and to your community. Um, what would you tell others that are thinking about putting stuff off? We talked about see your family, see mm-hmm. your friends. Um, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're seeing things with rose colored glasses now. You know, life is too short. But all those things are true. Mm-hmm. Very much. All, of the, all those things are true. So what is your glow? What is what is your give back? Not just to, um, you know, volunteering, but to yourself, to your wife, to your little girl. What is your true? Mm-hmm. What are you feeling right now when it comes to your glow? And that's what I mean by the glow, because we're. We're doing something so different. And I love it. You know, <laughs> even though I've been through the worst, I, I absolutely am in a good place right now. So so how are you feeling right now being in that place with your family and knowing mm-hmm. that you're on the other side? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm human. Mm-hmm. And there are days when I take my life for granted, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... I go with the thought of don't, don't put anything off, you know, wear, wear your good clothes, mm-hmm. you know, use the fine China. Mm-hmm. Um, I, cause it really, it put, um, being that close to death, put death into perspective for me. Mm-hmm. It made me realize my mortality. And I actually came to grips with the fact that I could die mm-hmm. and I actually became okay with it. Yeah. I didn't want to. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I've got a lot of living left to do, but I became okay that if that was what God wanted for me, then, then that was it. And I accepted that. Uh, so now I'm not afraid of dying. And if it's my time to die, it's my time to die. So in the meantime, I want to do my best living, you know, just have fun, act like a kid, like, mm-hmm. you know, play, um, and in the travels where I go, I just absolutely relish my time um, mm-hmm. traveling and seeing things and meeting new people. Like I just enjoy everything. It's just, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, it's just different. You're forever changed. It's almost, you know, I've, I've likened having cancer or going through having your, um, you know, your life at risk to going mm-hmm. through war you know, like mm-hmm. a soldier going through war. Um, and when you come back, you're not the same. You're, you're, you're forever same. changed. And um, you get perspectives that people just can't get mm-hmm. until they go through the experience, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I wish we could bottle up what you and I have learned and the perspective we've gained without having to go through what we went through. <laughs> <laughs> so we could give it to other people, other people. you know. <laughs> to see it i can tell you just being on the um zoom or webex calls Mm -hmm. i seen that in you on those calls (laughs) when they were asking you questions and you were so passionate about it and you Mm -hmm. don't want a fluff piece you you really want whatever you're doing to mean something even if it's this this much you had a part in that Yes. And even, you know, there are times with my job where I'm like, okay, you know, I reevaluate, is this what I want to be doing? Mm -hmm. You know, what I know now I have a finite amount of time. Yeah. So what do I want to do with that? Am am I happy with that? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the answer is yeah, so far. <laughs> so far, your job has actually asked you to to tell your story. How's that going? Oh yeah, they had me featured on a, a my why, like why am I at um, I, I work at Bioclinica, you know why. Mm-hmm what, what gives me purpose? What am I passionate about and why? And so I told my story, I didn't hold back. Mm-hmm. And, and the reception that I received from colleagues around the world, um, wow. was incredible. Um, people say, you know, it's inspiring. And I just say, you know what, I just did whatever I could to stay alive. Yeah. Bottom well, I'm line. I'm telling you, it is inspiring. And I'm so <laughs> happy that you joined me on this podcast. And I hope you will soon join me on a live. As sure, well. let's do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With our, our bourbon, <laughs> a little bit of wine. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for being on my podcast. Guys, mm-hmm. please remember... Please remember that the glow doesn't define you. You define the glow. Like life is just, say what you want, it is too short. And you have this amount of time. So why not be great? Why not? I tell my husband, we can do whatever we want, you know? That's right. You can go wherever you want. We can go wherever wherever we want. We live wherever we want. Let's just live life to the fullest. And I'm truly trying with this podcast, with life, with volunteering and love it on my girls and my husband and making sure that I see my friends and family. And I now can call you a friend. That's right. That's right. right. And we are going to get together after COVID. Oh, yes. We're definitely we'll be shot down. We'll be (laughs) vaccinated. (laughs) Well, guys. Please listen to our podcast tonight. Thank you for tuning in. And I'll get you the date for the live soon. Remember, the glow doesn't define me. I define the glow. Sound editing is provided by Josh Masters. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Connect with Chemo Glow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also find more content at chemoglow.com.